Ian, also making news this week, the NDP's housing critic says that interim report shows the regulatory body has been falling down on the job. David Eby, a vocal, outspoken uh, person when it comes to real estate and housing in Vancouver, says it's clear with all the funny business in the industry that realtors who should have their licenses yanked and face stiff fines are actually getting away with a slap on the hand. It'll be an interesting policy paper, but the question is, once the policy paper comes out, the Real Estate Council already has the ability to pull licenses from realtors and they're not doing it. So the question is, why are they not doing it? And why are they not actively going out and doing the audits that are needed to be done of problem real estate firms? No matter how many rules you change, if the regulator's the problem, then you're not going to solve it. EB says the Independent Advisor Group needs to get out and actually talk to more people on the ground. Well, the BC Real Estate Association, Ian, says housing sales in the province for March of 2016 broke record sales previously uh, previously set back in May of 2007. So there were uh, close to uh, 12,500 residential units sold last month compared to the previous record of uh, just over 11,600. Uh, total sales dollar volume for last month was $9.69 billion. The association also saying, Ian, that BC's housing market is being fueled by strong employment numbers. Uh, putting BC back to work at cknw.com will tell you all about that. And as has been the case for the last little while in this province, supply has not been able to keep up with the demand. And uh, Ian, the MPA Vancouver City Council is urging her colleagues to unanimously endorse a plan coming before council next week. And Ian, this would make housing in the city more affordable. The affordable home ownership uh, program would encourage uh, developers in certain areas and where zoning allows to, instead of building rental as we have under the Rental 100 program, it would allow them to build units uh, that the city would then also partner uh, with the developer to make sure that they move forward in our affordable home ownership program, which would allow young families and first-time home buyers, especially, uh, to be able to get into a market that is uh, increasingly unaffordable here in the city of Vancouver. The affordable home ownership pilot project stems from a motion Melissa DiGenova put forward almost a year ago. Essentially, this uh, would have the city requiring an ownership stake in some of the building's units, granting more density to the developer in exchange. Uh, the eligible buyer would then purchase the unit at a discounted rate. And those are some of the stories, Ian, that uh, made headlines this week as we talk all things real estate here on the program. Uh, the Real Estate Council of British Columbia, and this is just how I feel when I hear some of the news coming out of them, is I would interpret it simply as saying, Blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Where have they been all this time? Mm-hmm. Well, why hasn't this come to light sooner? I don't think the problem is as widespread as we think it is. In fact, we've got somebody coming up after our next break that will talk about assignment clauses and why they came to be and how they work when they do work. The other thing that we should point out, too, is that there's that we, we grab the headlines And we're part of that process of telling people what's going on with real estate. And unfortunately, the headlines that sell or get the attention are always the negative ones. There's how many realtors? There's over probably over 3,000, maybe more. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. How many realtors are out there that that get dressed in the morning, go to work, and and do a good, honest day's work? And we've got a few here that are are ruining it for everybody that, that does work so hard in the industry. So that's my concern there. As far as uh, affordability goes, um, I I can't help but think that, and we've talked about this before, John, that people's expectations may be a little unreasonable. There are issues that are at stake, foreign ownership, foreign investment, 
any any kind of speculation that's coming into the market that's not being uh, appropriately taxed mm-hmm. is going to cause some problems. But are the expectations of people, particularly those that want to get into the market for the first time, are they too high? Do people expect to have a single-family home on the west side uh, with a minimum wage job? It's just not going to happen unless they go to the bank of mom and dad. And mom and dad might not have that kind of cash at hand to, to bankroll it. And in essentially this affordable home ownership pilot project, uh, the city would have to approve it. It involve um, 300 units over a three-year period. It would have to get approval, though, from the province in order to amend the Vancouver Charter. So a lot of work still has to be done to uh, even address this issue in, in this uh, report, which also notes housing costs have increased dramatically while wages have not. And you talk about those wages, you simply can't afford uh, what you may think you can afford or what you used to be able to afford in the city of Vancouver. You might have to look elsewhere, as we've talked a lot about on this show, and uh, some of the markets around Vancouver are uh, really hot right now because of that. We're going to have to get used to the idea in Vancouver and elsewhere that we will have to increase our density. And there are ways to do it. There are coach houses, laneway houses, as one example, uh, sharing properties, whereby you don't have to build more infrastructure. You can uh, increase the density by a slight margin and find yourself uh, with more people able to stay in the areas that they want to and not just for work to stay in those areas but to stay closer to the family and and that's a big deal for a lot of people if you grew up in a certain area of anywhere uh, and you let's say you settle in for your own family you want to stay close to where the grandparents are and Mm -hmm. the uncles and aunts and and that kind of thing john we got to take a break Uh, after the break we are going to talk about uh, a discount real estate brokerage. Are commissions too high? That story. Also an explanation on assignment clauses, uh, which might just be a case of old-fashioned greed. That's next on uh, Real Estate Today here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Nice to hear Simmy's voice on the weekend. John, uh, people are more than welcome to contact us on Vancouver Real Estate Today by tweeting at CKNW, our Facebook page, also the buzz line, 604-331-2899, 604-331-2899, or buzz at Ian on Air or at John Meyer underscore 980. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Feel free to join our conversation at any time. Ian Bailey is the founder and managing broker at 1% Realty, a discount real estate brokerage. What's the story on the assignment clause, and is this something in some cases that turns out to be simply a case of old-fashioned greed? Oh, yeah, absolutely old-fashioned greed. Assuming the media stories are true, which I'm guessing they are, uh, I mean, we've had what what we've always called assignments for years, and uh, typically they were done with these pre-sale condos. You buy a condo that closes in two or three years and your life changes in two or three years. You get pregnant or married or transferred. And they, you know, people want to sell it before they own it. So it, that's been going on. So the, the industry has been getting a bit of a bad rap. The assignments are all bad. Much of it's quite normal. Uh, but now what you're seeing, what you're, you know, the market's so crazy. And there's, you know, the, I mean, these stories, if it's true, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it sounds like just sheer greed. How does a property owner best come to that all-important asking price? If they're, if they're going to list their home, how do they figure out what to ask? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, 
get your realtor in and get a guy with, with all the information. And it, the conventional wisdom over the years has been phone three, three realtors, get them all in. And I think that's still good advice, assuming these media stories are true about, you know, trying to convince people to undersell their houses so they could flip them. That would never have occurred to me because almost always in the industry, you know, information's out there. People know roughly what their house is worth. It's very rare you meet an owner who doesn't have a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. And the data is all out there and very open. And if you get three realtors in, I'm guessing in 95, 98% of the cases, the data is going to be identical. The question I've been asking, uh, Ian Bailey, is uh, I've been asking brokers and realtors alike, uh, are real estate fees negotiable? And I think the answer in your case would simply be no. Uh, that said, you've come up with what could easily be called, and I hope I'm correct when I say uh, you have a discount model for sellers that, that seems to make some sense and has obviously been working for you for a number of years. Yeah, we're coming up on, I don't know, 17, 18 years, something like that. Yeah, we do the same job for less money than the conventional guys. And I mean, in a market like we're in, like the numbers are staggering. You're, you know, you're selling houses for two, three, four, five million dollars. People are paying $150,000 in commission. And the night they list it, they're all of the understanding, okay, we're, it's, it's Wednesday today. And we're going to have an open house on Sunday, and on Tuesday we'll look at all the offers. So you got five days in there, and mm. and 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 you're going to pay $150,000 seemingly quite happily, uh, which, in my opinion, you don't need to. You know, one, we, at one percent even, you know, we're we're not we're not crying about being underpaid. It's not like we're working for minimum wage or anything. It's. Uh, just make sure you get all the data would be my advice. And, and, and I, I wouldn't hesitate to get a couple or three people in just so you make sure you're not missing anything. What is your model at 1% Realty? Well, it's 1% of the sale price of the property plus $900 that covers the basic expenses of the listings. MLS fees, title search, some basic advertising and admin costs. Uh, if the property is worth less than $600,000, we charge all the same, which is a flat fee of 6900 which once again is the $900 for the expenses, and then the commission is $6,000, which is split 50-50. So we, if we sell it, we get $3,000 commission, and the other guy gets $3,000 commission, or if it's over 600 it's a flat 1% commission plus 900 and uh, we split it 50-50. So it's not like we're ripping off the other guy. We're, we're working for half of 1%, and, you know, we think it's sufficient compensation. So, uh, you know, it's not some bait-and-switch program or something like that. Well, you started with one little office here in Vancouver, and you seem to have spread right across most of this country. There must be something to what you're doing that works. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, we're, we're just, we've tweaked the system a little bit. We're operating under the same guidelines, same rules. Same insurance, same everything, same contract you sign, be it your listing contract or your purchase of sale or contract of purchase and sale. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing we're not doing that, that you know we ought to be, and uh, you know everybody's chugging along. How savvy are people today when it comes to buying and selling real estate? It seems to me with the internet and and all of the resources that are at everybody's fingertips that it's pretty hard to fool most people. Oh, absolutely. The information is out there, and you don't, if you're out buying a condo or a house or whatever, you're not driving around with your realtor anymore. That's from the 50s, right? It's now, everybody's online. It's realtor.ca. Every listing in the country is on that website, pretty much. 
And so that's where you're looking. You may well engage a realtor, not the listing realtor, but you know your own agent to represent you in the in the in the deal. But uh, you're not out driving around with them. The listings are out there, and and if there's four, you're looking in a certain neighborhood in a certain price range. There's four for sale. You're going to look at all four every time. The buyer doesn't care about commission or even really care to understand it. It's just, I, yeah, there's a house I want. It's three bedrooms and it's near the kid's school. Yeah, exactly. Got to leave it there. Uh, there's plenty more to ask, but we'll leave it for another time. Ian Bailey is the founder and managing broker at 1% Realty with uh, offices now in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, and the Atlantic region. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, we'll look forward to another opportunity in the future. Thank you very much talking to you. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, conversation that I had, uh, John, with Ian Bailey on Vancouver Consumer last weekend. But he does make a lot of sense, and I think uh, we ought to be paying attention to at least some of what he says. Uh, we, it's interesting to, to learn how the assignment clause came to be, uh, primarily with new construction on condos. Uh, you, you put in your money, two years later something changes in your life. That clause was there to, to help protect that. It was never intended to be abused the way some mm-hmm. brokers appear or some realtors uh, appear to be abusing it. The other, the other point that he makes that I, I really think is important is whether you believe in that discount system or not, and a lot of people are afraid of it for some reason. Uh, they're afraid they might not get the service. A lot of uh, higher commission uh, agents won't show their properties. But the point is is that we're all pretty savvy now. Most of us know how to use uh, the Internet. Most of us know how to get onto Realtor.ca, and we come armed with the information. The Realtor is there primarily to, A, I think, most importantly, to take the emotion out of the deal, to negotiate the best price, and to do the paperwork. He, he nailed it on the head when he said, you know what, buyers... They, they don't want to know certain things. They want to. They, they know what they want. They see what they want, and they want the realtor to help them get that. They they don't want to worry about all these these terms and these legalities that they they probably don't need to know about. And he, he mentioned it there, you know. And you just mentioned it again. Buyers know what they want. They they go to realtor.ca. They've seen the listing a thousand times. Nobody drives with the realtor to these listings anymore. Everybody wants immediacy. It's just our lifestyle now. Yeah, I can remember and, and, that as a kid, yeah. getting in the back of a <laughs> of a van with uh, with the folks and uh, being driven around the neighborhood. Well, what do you think of that one? What do you think of that one? Let me see. Let me look it up. And they had the the big books, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it was just interesting, and uh, it, was, it was a, f- a fresh conversation. It's good yeah, to hear. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. What else have you got for us? Well, we, we had this big media conference this week with uh, Superintendent of the Real Estate uh, uh, Board and Carolyn Rogers of this advisory group, and uh, we asked about concerns over governance and the structure of the uh, governance and with issues of overlapping in between the Real Estate Board and the Real Estate Council. What we have observed is um, that the Real Estate Board have, I guess, over time, assumed a quasi-regulatory role, and so often they position themselves as the place for consumers to lodge complaints, and they will do the sort of first triage or review of those complaints, and they may determine that they will deal with them themselves through the board's disciplinary practices, or they will opt to refer them to council. The board's disciplinary practices, unlike the council's, are not transparent and uh, there's no requirement, for example, to report publicly on whether or not a realtor is disciplined. So that right there is a concern that there isn't a public transparency. The boards also do not have the legal mandate from government to, to discipline realtors. They discipline them through their membership agreements. 
Um, and then there is the issue of, of the range of penalties and rules that exist among the 11 provincial boards. So there isn't consistency. So those are just a few of the concerns we've identified. Now, this, of course, all stems from uh, this uh, Global Mail investigative report into uh, New Coast Realty. Um, and we're going to talk more about this, Ian. Maybe we'll open up the phone lines and get some listeners' comments. But uh, this issue has really come to light. And, um, you know, David Eby uh, called for a police investigation into New Coast Realty this week as well. So uh, it's a story that's not going to go anywhere. Let's More coming way. up, John, on this in just a moment after the break. Our phone number, if you want to join us, is 604-280-9898, star 9898 if you're mobile. Also, before this hour's up, our segment with Todd Talbot. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. In just a handful of minutes, John, we'll have Todd Talbot in studio with us. Uh, one of the things he's going to talk about is properties that don't sell. And believe it or not, that's happening even in a market like ours that uh, seems to lack inventory. We promised to open the phones at 604-280-9898, star 9898 mobile if you want to join our program. We're interested in what you have to say on Vancouver Real Estate Today. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. I just have a quick uh, comment and question. My kids who are adults, and both professionals live at home and are saving frantically to put down payments down, and they have saved a significant amount of money. But their frustrations is they want to get into pre-sales, and whenever they go and register and then line up, it seems that every unit is sold to an offshore investor, and it's just so frustrating for them. They want to live in Vancouver. They both work in Vancouver. Um, and it's just like, how is it that these, developers can get away with this when you have Canadians who want to live and work in their city and they they just can't buy and these places are staying empty it's just a continuous frustration and I know it's not unique to us it's it's happening throughout the whole city so there one of them is a first responder for an emergency uh, service and he is so frustrated because he doesn't want to have to travel a long way to go to work. I mean, he works shift work, and, it, and my daughter works in Burnaby, so it's just, like, really frustrating for them. Where Where do you live? We live in Surrey. Okay. Um, do you have a, a, a sizable property? No, we don't. We have, we're middle-income earners. You know, we've saved, and we, have, we uh, downsized a few years ago for health reasons, and we live in a townhouse. So, and it's a, it's a good-sized townhouse. It's 2,400 square feet. But here's the thing, we're, they don't want to live in Surrey. Okay. Well, John, I think John's got a couple of ideas well, for you, Karen. We have to be careful when we, we, we say that, you know, foreign ownership, they're, they're, they're buying up all the condos, pre-sale condos. I mean, of course, some of that exists. Uh, we'd be naive if we said it didn't. Um, it's more prevalent in cities like Toronto than it is Vancouver, believe it or not. But I think in your case specifically, um, Get a good realtor that can get you on a VIP list for some of these buildings. I know that uh, is one way that uh, I've talked to realtors about how to get into uh, uh, pre-construction, and that's probably one of the best ways. Obviously, you can get on email lists, you can get on lists and do what your your children probably have already done. But my uh, my first piece of advice would be to find a good realtor that can get you VIP access onto a list for a pre-construction condo. Makes good sense. Uh, Tatiana? Yes, uh, my question is, if, um, for example, if I'm selling my property by owner mm-hmm. and I'm approached from the buyer's point of view 
by the real estate agent. How does commission works in this situation? That's a very good question. Uh, There would be no commission as far as I understand. Now, the buying agent could ask you, could try to negotiate with you some sort of a fee. That would be, uh, as far as I understand, that would be perfectly okay if you're willing to do so. Why would you sell your your home by yourself, though? Um, because I can pass savings to the buyers instead of paying the enormous uh, commission fee to the real estate agent. But what if you were to, for example, go with, uh, as we cited earlier, the example of a discount broker? Yeah, there is a possibility, yes. The, the reason I ask is, for a couple, there's a couple of things that, that come to my mind immediately. One is the, the emotional impact of selling your own home and, and making sure that you've priced it accurately. And the second thing is the, the ability to, to negotiate the deal uh, when it comes right down to it, particularly if you're dealing with the buyer's agent. And thirdly is, uh, and to me, this is where I fall off the rails, is doing the paperwork. I, I guess it's not that really that difficult. I would say as well that, um, you know, the the buyer, potential buyer, might not care if you're trying to pass them on savings. That might not be an, an angle that they even consider or care about. They, they they have a price in their mind, and if you think that uh, not getting a realtor and maybe you can pass on those savings uh, to the other side, uh, those people on the other side might not uh, uh, see that the same way as you do. Yeah, but I mean, uh, because, to, uh, you know, uh, me as a as a seller, I need a lawyer as well, right? Or or at least notary public. Right. Yes. You will. Yes. So it is that there is legal. Uh, you know, I have to pay for my notary public paperwork. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. So as a, as precisely as a seller. So if I um, if I decided to sell my property by owner. And I am approached, am I uh, committed to pay the the fee to the real estate agent? No, no, no. As I say, that they, they, they will likely or uh, want to get something as, as the buyer's agent, but no, the, there's no obligation. You may decide because they've sold your home and they've done it in a fast fashion and they've, they, everything's fallen in place as you wanted it, you might agree to some kind of a fee or commission, but you're, you're not obligated by, by any means, not whatsoever. Appreciate the calls. Great to hear from you. If you've got anything more you'd like to contribute, 604-331-2899, 604-331-BUZZ. That's the Buzz Line, open 24-7. We appreciate your comments. We'll come back in a moment from Love It or Listed Vancouver. Todd Talbot is our guest next on Vancouver Real Estate Today from News Talk 980 CKNW. And we're back on Vancouver Real Estate Today. In studio, our regular guest, Todd Talbot from Love It or List It Vancouver. Every Monday night at 10 o'clock on the W Network, uh, we're enjoying Season 3. When does Season 4 launch? Not that I'm... Oh, my goodness. Not till uh, probably the fall. Maybe September or something Probably shouldn't have gone there. That's okay. Hey, is it true that your your first sort of big break came at the the tender young age of Nickelodeon TV when you did (laughs) Matt Walker? Uh, Yeah, I did a teen soap. For all intents and purposes, uh, we did 65 episodes of a show called 15 for Nickelodeon in the States. Um, and I started doing that when I was about 15 years old, actually. And, yeah, in grade 11. And yes, I'm sir. told 
I had a little bird whisper that you yes. had your first on-screen kiss in that show. Oh, uh, yes. It was uh, It was quite the experience. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, Laura Harris, who's a successful actress, um, uh, and I were told to essentially go in the studio over there and, up. and practice. <laughs> we were so nervous. We, like, we're just two young kids, and we're like, are you kidding me? We've just met, essentially. Oh, yeah? Um, and we're standing there kind of looking at each other, and I'm like, do you want to just do this when we do it? And she's like, yep. Oh. And so we were like, okay. And then we come back into the studio. They're like, did you, you know, is everything good? We're like, oh, yep, yep. Oh, it's good. I, I got I to gotta pull up a clip of that because I'm sure it's an embarrassing kind of How, first how did kiss. it go? How did that, did it go? Was it, was it all, was it okay? What, the kiss or the yeah. show? No, the kiss. The, um, well, I mean, um, what, yeah. What I, you can I, expect. You know what? Uh, it's been many, many years. There's been a lot of kisses since then. It's hard to keep track. Well, I should hope so, and I would think so, too. <laughs> Question for you. Yes, sir. My house has been on the market for a number of weeks now. Okay. Why has there? Why is there no sold sign on it? Did you put your name on the house, Ian? Because <laughs> if that's the case, we know what the problem There's is. There's the reason. All right. Okay. Let me answer you this uh, very simply. It's overpriced. I mean, it's, it, it is, uh, my brother. Who's it's that a, simple. We can go home now. It, we can go home now. My brother, who's an accountant, is, uh, is a very smart boy. Uh, I was going to call him a smart boy. He's younger than me. He's a smart man. Sorry, Eric. Uh, he's a very smart man. And, you know, he often says to me, you know, anything will sell if it's priced right. Yes. You know, and that, and that applies to shoes. It applies to um, cars. And it applies to houses. Uh, market value, which we've discussed before is a complicated moving mm-hmm. target of a lot of different elements. But ultimately, if that property hasn't sold, the market is telling us that it's overpriced. Now, it might be overpriced based on some other issues that are either with the property or with the house or with the traffic noise or, you know, or the, there's or other... the crack house next door. It, exactly. So there's other things to consider. Sure. But in pricing your house... You need to take into consideration all of those. So at the end of the day, it funnels back to price. Okay. And I like to look at any property that hasn't had some sort of action in terms of offer um, in the first 15 days. I think you've got your, you know, your sweet spot is in your first 15 to 20 days, especially in this market. If you don't have something where it's resonated with the market. You're then you need you're off the mark. Yeah. So let me ask you then, if that's the case. So let's say after a couple of weeks, you're not getting any action, no offers, nothing. Should you reduce the price, or should you take it off the market and rest for a bit? Well, you could do. I, I think you need to analyze why. You need to kind of reverse engineer what's going on. Have we had any calls? Have we had any showings? What is the feedback from the people that have come? I mean, that's your that's your agent's job is to make sure they're eliciting that information either from the prospective buyer or from their agent and figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and then kind of reverse engineer. As I said, oftentimes it does revolve around price. There might be issues with the house where, you know, let's say let's say you've got it painted in a colorful manner. <laughs> and the first thing that people see when they walk in the door is this, you know, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat color, screen, color scheme. It might be wise to take it off the market Paint it out, very neutral, and then reintroduce it. Right. Because that, I mean, this is a very simplistic example, but there might be something like that where you can go back, retool, and then reintroduce it to the marketplace. Um, But more times than not, it's a pricing issue. 
So the checks and stripes might not work in the hallway. Price is probably the first place that you have to look, and then you have to start to work your way back. I just want to make sure I have this straight because it seems to me today that houses are, or condos, whatever the property is, they just go like that. They're done. They're gone. If they're priced right. And that's the trick. And we've yeah. talked, we've talked yeah. about this before, and, and I don't know that we have a whole lot of time to get back into it. But, but <laughs> It always comes back to money. Every conversation yeah. about real estate no, comes back right. to money. No, you're right. And that's kind of disappointing in a way. But And because people have this emotional attachment to their property when it comes to, to, to pricing, give us the 30 seconds 101 on pricing then. How to set that price. So figure out market value as best you can. Evaluate that. And let's say we decide that it's a million dollars. Now you need to look at what is your pricing strategy? What are your goals in terms of timeline? Because timeline affects cost as well. Do you want to sell fast? What is what are the market conditions right now? They're very hot. If you're going to price, you know, we might look at it and say, you know, nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars or nine hundred thousand dollars to get a lot of excitement in there through the door. And we believe that our target number is a million dollars. I mean, there's other people who want to kind of, you know, a fishing analogy, throw the lure out there and (laughs) see what happens. Let the market catch up to it. I believe that that's a dangerous game to play. If you're interested in selling your house. Get the number right, put it on the market, and see if the market resonates with it. Yeah. So if your house hasn't sold, there's something wrong. You need to talk to your realtor. Your realtor needs to come up with some answers. Fair? Fair enough. Absolutely. Will you come back next week? Well, you've been so kind today. (laughs) I guess I'll come back next week. We promise to watch Love It or List at Vancouver on Monday night at 10 o'clock on W Network. You better be cheering for me, Ian. Always. Thank you. Well, uh, unless Jill's sitting here, and I'm not. If, if you are a fair weather fan. I am. Uh, Jillian Harris, your co-host, uh, yep. are you going to talk her into coming on with us one of these days? Yeah, you know what? Well, she lives in Cologne on the weekends. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get her on the phone one time. That'd be fun. Yeah. Todd Talbot, our guest. She screens my calls, though, you know, so uh, you know, I can't make any promises. Be sure to watch <laughs> Love It or List at Vancouver, W Network, 10 o'clock on Monday night, and we will be right back on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. We cover things uh, real estate from beginning to end and middle and everything else that goes on with real estate, and we always invite your input, uh, whether it be on our buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ, at CKNW on Twitter, on Facebook, of course, at Ian on Air and at John Meyer underscore 980. Victor, what did you want to say? Well, great show there, uh, Ian and John. Thanks very much. Well, you know, the explanation for our uh, rising prices in real estate market, uh, look around here. I mean, okay, first of all, we're in a progressive country, uh, satisfactory governments uh, nationally, provincially, municipally. You know, look at the real estate. Look at the views. We have clean air. We have clean water. You know, these folks coming from China, it's not that clean over there, you see. So we have these, you know, look at the views. We've got a park that they babysit. You know, they count every tree at Stanley Park. It's not going to end. You know, this is where everybody wants to be. Look at the climate. Calgary, you can get snow any month out of the year. I was there for 12 years. I drove across the country with my family to come here. You got a point. Appreciate that. Uh, I've said before half-jokingly, but I think there's some serious uh, point to be made is that if you've been here, as I have all my life, in 1986 when we had Expo here, and then the Olympics to to the same extent, but perhaps a little bit uh, less, in 1986 we literally opened an invitation 
for the world to come here. And the world, in fact, came here. And since the mid-1980s, people from all over the world, not just China, but from elsewhere, have been coming to Vancouver to invest and to live. They're not just coming from offshore, though. There's people coming from all ports of Canada. Where did you come from, John? Ontario. Well, there you go. And, and why did you come west? As was just mentioned, the mountains, the views, the air. It's, it's different out here. It really is. This does not feel like the Canada I grew up knowing. No, and certainly not in the wintertime. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you had a lot of snow in the wintertime. I had time. to shovel uh, snow off my roof last winter. No kidding. This winter, I don't even have snowshoes. Exactly. Or, uh, Winter boots. Yeah. It's great. And you're northern Ontario? Uh, near Toronto. No, near if Toronto. You're in, if you're in Ontario, you either live in Toronto or near Toronto. Or near- <laughs> There's only two places you can live. So you lived in the middle of nowhere yeah. is what was basically what you're saying. Was there, a, was there a highway or a freeway close to you? Uh, there was. We were in a, a very uh, touristy area that was um, a lot of new condo developments and a very, a very beautiful area, but nothing like Vancouver. And that's, uh, to his point, you know, the uniqueness of this market is going to continue to drive prices up. And that's just something we can't avoid. And yeah. You either have to come to, to terms with it, find different ways of how you can afford to live here, look elsewhere. BC is a big province. You know? Well, it is. And a lot of people talk about why don't we have more development in some of these more rural areas? Why? Well, some of these areas are maybe not as desirable as others. Vancouver is obviously very desirable. Well, I think we still have to wrap our heads around the idea of more density. We're going to have to live with more people closer to us as they do in major cities all over the world. New York, London, Sydney, Australia. Uh, those are just some of the examples. Paris, uh, the, all the major cities in the world, which we contend uh, ourselves to be, we'll have to get used to that idea. We're going to have to wrap ourselves around it. It's not the North American way, but soon we'll have to get that. Look at Amila. She's she's waving her hand. She's like doing a, a whole dance there. I think she says it's time to wrap up. So we're going to wrap up. For John Meyer, Amila Bamji is our technical producer. Stay tuned. Charmaine De Silva is coming up with CKNW Weekend. My name is Ian Power. Thank you for sharing your time with Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW.